Hello builders. Welcome to the Builders Club Startup Founders podcast. A podcast for founders to upskill themselves and understand the founder mindset. Every week, we sit with the best minds in the startup ecosystem and understand what it takes to start, run and scale businesses. This podcast is from one of our recordings of our water cooler conversations. A weekly community AMA where we get established entrepreneurs to discuss their strategies and their mindset in front of our community members. So sit back, relax and let's start with the episode. Uh you know, welcome everybody to another edition of the Water Cooler Conversations. Uh today we have uh, twin sisters Nikita and Anishita Baliar Singh who are a part of the Forbes 30 under 30 list they are the dynamic leaders who have co-founded Nexus Power that manufactures biodegradable and bio organic batteries for electric vehicles uh, now the interesting part about these batteries is that they charge 8 to t- 8 to 10 times faster and last 20 to 30% longer than their counterparts and i'm sure you know i, I guess that nexus power also has an uh, a, a patent for this uh, and they are operating in a niche which is soon expected to become one of the very 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 big industries out there uh, so welcome nikita and nishita to the builders club hi thank you so much for having us here thanks a lot nishita thanks a lot nikita joining in first of all yaar uh, you know very interesting to see two twin sisters working together to build something uh, usually sibling li- rivalries are something you know siblings are known for so you people clearly have have uh, you know uh, uh, have a very good working chemistry amongst each other uh hi so uh, thank you for putting that question uh, in terms of uh, the sibling connection that we have so it's not like uh, it's been since time immemorial that we've had this connection we also had our share of uh, misunderstandings and fights when we were kids but uh, i guess as you grow up and you mature uh, i'm sure you leave the uh, the misunderstandings behind or these you know sibling fights behind and you get to be uh, more close as siblings and specifically as sisters So yeah the bond is very strong and we are very happy to be getting along so well very nice yaar very nice nishita so in fact uh, it's it's not about uh, the rivalry i think i would say uh, because we are working together we've probably taken up uh, different spaces in each other's life so yeah. when we are co-founders uh, we are working as professional entrepreneurs and uh, when we get back home and we are sisters and i think the rivalry sometimes sparks back but uh, that's part and parcel of life and uh, as long as the differences are solved i think it's pretty comfortable uh, to have those differences because uh, you only have differences when you actually trying to brainstorm and you think very hard about something and you ideate so it's good to have differences i believe and as far as sister rivalry is concerned i think life is less entertaining if you don't have that <laughs> sibling rivalry should go on agreed absolutely agreed i mean would want want to learn a little bit about the starting journey of uh, of nexus power how exactly did you stumble upon this idea because i guess both of you studied together as well uh, in college uh, 
uh and uh, you know after that i think you people were also working and then you people decided to start this so what exactly how exactly has the journey been of the initiation on of the initiation of nexus power so we we actually were we, we've been together uh, all our life actually studying uh, ever since childhood but uh, the idea of uh, entrepreneurship came into us uh, somewhere around i think we were 11 or 12 years old and uh, we were very sure since then that uh, we wanted to be entrepreneurs we wanted to start something of our own and uh, we had decided to get into something which was sustainable and uh, eco friendly in uh, college i guess because we were, we had papers in sustainable management and uh, about green and clean technology so that's why it was very fascinating for us uh, the entire idea of giving back to the environment and preserving it taking care of it so uh, that was where we decided that we want to do something in that side but uh, during the college days we were not still not very sure of uh, you know what could be that one thing that can really 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 help the environment get better so we used to do a lot of research even then now we used to have a lot of projects in college as well uh, and that's where we uh, stumbled upon electric vehicles and uh, since they were not using exhaustible resources like uh, you know petrol and diesel uh, that was quite fascinating at that point of time so that's was that was where we thought uh, electric vehicles are the future and uh, we should uh, go ahead and start manufacturing electric vehicles so that people can buy more of them and uh, because that time we had heard of a lot of two wheeler startups coming up but uh, four wheelers were scarce in the electric segment So we thought, why not start with uh, four-wheel electric vehicles, so that uh, the ones who prefer driving down in cars, they also have electric options. Yeah. So that's where the entire plan began of getting into a sustainable project. But then, when we started to research about electric vehicles and how we should make them and the design and structure and all of that, we analyzed on the fact that uh, there are a few options in the market. People have started talking about electric vehicles, but people are not buying them. because probably there are a few concerns that the electric vehicles have which need to be addressed before they are put into mass production hmm so then we went out to find out and ask people of why electric vehicles are not popular why people are not buying it and that's where we realized that uh, people are really reluctant about electric vehicles because they take a long time to charge as compared to the ic engine vehicles hmm they mm. uh, even after they take about 4 to 5 hours to charge they don't give the considerable range that mm. uh, any petrol or diesel vehicle can give and the infrastructure is also not proper yet in the country mm. and going further into this entire analysis of the problems that electric vehicles have uh, what we understood was that the problem was not but it is the battery which is fit yeah. into the vehicle yeah which powers the vehicle that has these concerns so if you change that battery with a more efficient uh, and effective version then a lot of these problems can be effectively solved mm. and uh, i think that was where uh, this entire idea took shape and uh, we thought that before we get into the electric vehicles market we have to address the battery concerns mm. and we have to make a product which can uh, address this issue and which can actually change the uh, electric mobility segment altogether and i think further nishita would love to continue because uh, she would have these uh, basic technical terms and technical know how behind this entire thing to discuss 
Yep, uh, very much actually. Uh, so, uh, you know, like Nikita mentioned, the entire uh, passion and idea of being in this industry of automotives. And uh, something that drives us to come together is those sustainability papers. But uh, it's not only about the passion, it's very important that we understand the industry we are getting into. Mm. And that's where these technical terms come in. So, in terms of the entire product and the story, so it took us uh, a good one and a half years to actually understand the segment, mm. understand whether we'll actually do justice to uh, where we are getting in and uh, would that really be a space which you know where you have an opportunity and you can actually take it up uh, to expanding it into a commercial business i mean we're not looking at uh, definitely not looking at a social enterprise it has to be solving a problem Agreed. and uh, it is supposed to be uh, expanding in the years to come and that's where a lot of research we try to understand the segment of batteries the the electric vehicle segment the, the select segments of uh, fuel cell vehicles hydrogen fuel cells to understand whether you know it's is it is it actually uh, a good idea to get into fuel cells right away or do we still have about 7 8 years to go before fuel cells come in or maybe even 10 years so uh, a lot of calculations or numbers there a lot of understanding of the technology uh, we we try to access uh, different papers try to assess the problems in lithium ion batteries try to assess the problems in the electric vehicle industry in terms of the range of the vehicle in terms of the size of the battery the weight balancing in the vehicle a lot of things actually goes into making a vehicle mm. and uh, it's it's only somebody who understands that industry and mm. understands each and every component of that entire vehicle mm. actually knows or understands how that industry functions So mm. if you uh, see a car on the road uh, it's not just the four wheels and the seat and the driving wheel uh, the dri- the, the uh, driver's wheel that technically you know the steering wheel uh, that that is uh, that, that allows you to drive around the city is all what a car is made out of there are a lot of other components Uh, including the gears the engines and the engine has another individual components and one of the major factors that drives a vehicle is the uh, weight management so when you're building a battery pack and if your weight is above the standards then uh, it's it's for sure that the uh, battery will not be accepted because uh, every vehicle has norms and uh, for for two wheelers for three wheelers four wheelers for commercial buses for any vehicle on earth uh, there are standard norms set by the uh, uh, the ARAI Mm. and the arai is the automotive research association of india mm. and uh, for for indian vehicles and for the global vehicles we have different such associations and they have their own standard norms and everything is governed by that body so if mm. you're looking at a battery pack and uh, you know the, the size or the weight is not according to the standards or not in the range then it's very difficult to get commercial so these numbers are very important when we started off uh, with mm. our project and mm. uh, eventually got into it kept digging deep into it also understood other possibilities we've just been exploring uh, the entire space since then and that's how the journey of nexus plays so when we started off officially with nexus park it was just me and nikita just two of us mm. and eventually uh, we've progressed to having a small 18 member team as of now wow and this one and a half year journey is beautiful honestly wow so, and 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 also uh, you know if you have a startup and uh, it's not like an established company which is uh, you know with a multi million dollar uh, uh, corporate fund yeah. and whatever where you can pump up pump in a lot of money and get through so in a startup it's also important that you look for people who can add value to your company and at the same time uh, be able to convince people to join the team and create that value uh, and grow mm. along with the company so it's very important that we have like minded individuals who share the same vision who would like to grow uh, with the company i mean 
grow themselves as well as, as well as have the company grow so like i mentioned we very fortunate to have uh, touched this number of having an 18 member team and we are still growing and we are very glad that it's a, it's a small one and a half years journey but it's progressed this far along with the smaller accolades that we have including the forbes under 30 wow wow no no you are absolutely right yaar uh, nishita that i think it's very very important to basically have like minded people uh with you because until unless every one of you share the same vision i don't think you know people would be pulling at the at the product from different directions and and things would not move move smoothly but one thing which i wanted to touch upon nishita and you talked about you know the all the associations and all the regulations which are there want to understand that since you are in the midst of the now unraveling of the electric vehicle space in india how uh, ready is the ecosystem out there i mean of course you are working on one of the very important aspects of the ev space but in general how how big is the space and how evolved is it right now from an infrastructure and from a you know understanding slash regulations perspective uh thank thank you so much for asking that question and that's indeed a very important question when it comes to the ev industry and specifically the industry and structure in india uh you know if you look at it globally so we have uh, specifically in the battery segment we have plenty of startups across the globe uh in in different technologies apart from lithium ion uh, about uh, i mean different technologies like a graphene or maybe even a lithium solid state battery kind of a thing but in in all of those structures uh, what we've seen is uh, it's there are companies who are at least 10 to 15 years old without any revenues at all yeah. said in the r&d yeah. and why i'm mentioning this statement is that it's not only in india but across the globe the infrastructure is yet to see uh, a proper boom Mm. we are still setting up the entire space and it's a very new market globally mm. so i think it, uh, this is the right time to come in and experiment or you know uh, bring in a new product because mm. once you start having saturation and uh, rapid advancements mm. in the uh, se- sector mm. it's difficult to then push into that space and try and build something mm. so when when everybody is new in the state uh, it's it's easier to uh, experiment explore yeah. opportunities yeah. and take it up so if you look at the infrastructure in india specifically yes it's very new uh, the two wheelers and three wheeler evs are just coming up in india and the four wheelers are yet to massively yet to see the day Uh, yeah. in india but yeah. in terms of the charging infrastructure and uh, maybe even the setup uh, across uh, india uh, I mean, if you compare it to a fuel vehicle uh, the petrol diesel petrol pumps are everywhere almost mm. but charging stations are very few mm. and uh, looking at this uh, the indian government also has a kind of a target where they would like to maybe you know by 2030 yeah. have at least 60 70% of the vehicles wow. electric so looking at that target i think uh, not that we are having a uh, immediate but i guess a gradual shift is there so people are like accepting evs yeah. more than uh, ever right now yeah. so the market is picking up people are understanding and mm. i think it's a very very good sign for all startups in the ev industry yeah 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 and and i guess you know now it does the, the pace has started uh, to pick up the way i look at it especially with the government also giving a kind of a green signal that they also want to yes, kind of very much very much honestly uh, uh, the government has come up with an ev policy and uh, each of the states are individually coming up with the electric vehicle policy mm-hmm. so that's actually a very very uh, big green signal for all ev based startups hmm Hmm. And and how do you see? I mean, would love to get a little bit of an idea about the different 
players and different kinds of players in the EV space right now. Globally and India, you can you can pick up either. Okay, all right, that sounds good. So uh, you know, uh, if you talk about the EV industry, like I also mentioned, there are a lot of other segments apart from just the batteries. Yeah. So as an EV startup, uh, people could just be making the brakes for the uh, e vehicles. Just could be into the uh, engines of the vehicles. I mean, basically the induction motors, or I mean, uh, the kind of different kind of electric motors, or you know, you could just be in the uh, the the gearbox or the inverters that connect the battery, the batteries, the battery management systems. So there are plethora of such opportunities in the EV industry. Mm. And like I mentioned, every component could have a separate uh, startup of its own mm. uh, in the EV industry. Mm. So globally, if I talk about only batteries, I could say maybe there be about 100, 120 odd players who are trying to innovate on something apart from just the lithium ion. Uh, battery mm. technology. Uh, so these these technologies could include uh, lithium and a silicon based uh, structure, uh, lithium aluminium kind of a thing, aluminium graphene, graphene based things, phosphate. Uh, I mean LFP, lithium uh, iron phosphate, and these are the different kind of technologies. Also solid state batteries, which are lithium metal batteries. So in, in batteries itself, I'm talking about 120 uh, odd startups who are into mm. something apart from just lithium-ion batteries. Mm. I mean, innovations in those batteries. And if you look at the standard uh, lithium-ion battery manufacturers, I think there would be plenty of them. Mm. Because it's not only us in India who is probably mm. uh, you know assessing the opportunity coming to us. It, it's plenty of people across the globe. So there mm. are so many other established companies, uh, uh, startups which are coming up which definitely are a part of this ecosystem and uh, since it's an ecosystem which is really booming I'm sure there are other startups also who are planning to manufacture uh, four-wheel electric passenger vehicles but we already have two-wheeler EV startups mm. quite a lot of them yeah, so yeah. The, uh, apart from just the components I think the vehicle startups are also coming up so maybe yeah. we do not see uh, much of the movement right now mm. but maybe uh, I think for three or four years from now perfectly we'll have a lot of such names coming up yeah 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 I guess. I guess also. And not just uh, not just the components or uh, vehicles. I think even the people providing charging solutions, yeah, charging stations, or yeah. in fact, even the ones who are working on uh, effective battery management systems, mm. they're all a part of the electric vehicle industry. Yeah. Uh, the e-mobility, as it is yeah. uh, commonly yeah. referred as. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, not just uh, these. These are, I would say, broader segments of charging set systems and uh, battery management systems. It's like an entire ecosystem which has so many ancillary industries. Mm. Uh, people working in uh, solar panels and mm. solar vehicles are also somehow falling into the electric vehicle category. Mm. So all of these different industries are working in this segment. There are plenty of companies who are trying to innovate, who are trying to uh, bring out breakthrough ideas to transform how the electric vehicle segment looks like. And uh, as Nishita mentioned, there are about 100 some odd people across the globe and these guys are only working on battery technology. Mm -hmm. Similarly, there are, there are probably thousands of people whom we are not even aware of who mm. are working in this segment and who are practically working in different domains or trying to bring a breakthrough technology into the market. So mm. uh, the domain is really picking up. And people are thinking about electric vehicles much more than they would do before. Yeah. But uh, the only concern that I see sometimes in this entire situation is that we often forget that uh, sustainability is not just about creating a green product, but it's also about maintaining your entire manufacturing mm -hmm. cycle. Mm -hmm. So I, I just really hope that everybody working in this domain is focusing on this point as well. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. And I think the batteries become one of the core parts of the product as well. Uh, because I, and correct me if I'm wrong. Usually, the majority of the cost or the price of uh, of a car is because of the size of the battery that has been allocated to it. And if you reduce the size, if you reduce the mileage, so to speak. of the of the of the of the car the the cost also comes down dramatically is that right not not completely uh, because it's not just about the size of the battery it's about the material that is being used okay. it is about all the elements that are going into the battery pack okay so if your raw material is cheap or inexpensive then your finished product mm. is also going to be cheaper than other products hmm. and as far as the size is concerned i think we have already managed to have batteries for the size of four wheeler vehicles hmm. so we don't have uh, in fact we have batteries which fit into a two wheeler electric vehicle as well so probably the size is not much of a concern but yes if we look at energy density or the power density hmm. that uh, the batteries have hmm. if those can be somehow uh, changed or amended a little little hmm. to have more efficiency hmm. then probably that could reduce costs as well because the number of cells then that you put in a battery pack will reduce yeah. so that should also reduce costs yeah. but more or less i would say it depends more on the raw material that goes into making the battery instead of uh, the size of the entire battery pack yeah yeah so i'll, I'll just uh, uh, enhance the entire thing a little more the fact that if you're in well enough into the standards mentioned by arai then the size does not make a difference so your size uh, basically is uh, you know if, if there's a range that is allowed allowed as in it's the standard range that we have for uh, any any product or any component in a vehicle so if you are fitting well into that range i think then that's not a concern the uh, the the issue comes up when the size is uh, beyond the standard range and uh, the issue is not because uh, you know your battery won't function the issue for specifically for a two wheeler is that if your battery size is more than the standard size it will be very difficult to fit it into the vehicle so when you're looking at building a battery pack it has to be standardized standardized enough that it could go into multiple brands mm. uh, and multiple vehicles so mm. i mean if you're manufacturing a battery it has to be uh, with the perspective that it has to go go into multiple vehicles and by multiple vehicles i mean multiple vehicles of different brands mm. so if you're if you're uh, focusing on only one particular brand and their sizes then you're somehow losing out on the majority mm. of the market so mm. it's very important that you fit into the standards and that's why i mentioned mm. the first and foremost space that arai has a lot of standards which have to be lived up to Mm. apart from that uh, in terms of the battery pack itself and how it makes a difference in the vehicle mm. the battery pack uh, is actually the heart of uh, of electric vehicle if i say it like that if if the battery pack is the heart uh, the engine would somewhere be the uh, be the brain yeah. of the vehicle yeah so if your heart is uh, not set up properly then mm. obviously you will face issues in the vehicle Yeah. For any vehicle, uh, some important parameters like the weight management, like the size management, are important. So it's not that uh, I mean the battery weight definitely comes out like Nikita mentioned from the raw material that you use. So definitely something like a metal uh, or uh, the size of the metal and the uh, the density of the metal will definitely change uh, the density or the weight of the battery. Mm. And uh, that that those are important parameters. And yes. Uh, If the raw material that you use definitely decreases your price or increases your price depending on the availability, and besides that, uh, 
if if you have a better energy density like nikita mentioned so that actually means that uh, in a less space you have more number of cells that you can accommodate so automatically your uh, your performance is better and the price goes down so that's how the entire matrix works interesting very interesting cool i have a few other questions but let's just open up the floor for questions from uh, from the audience uh, guys uh, anybody has any questions you can just unmute yourself and and ask to nikita and nishita about the ev space or anything or or nexus power in general anybody has any questions yeah hey so like i had one question yeah yeah go on go on so can i go on? yeah yeah, yeah. Go, on, go on go on go on so hey nikita and nishita thanks for taking time out like uh, just late on the weekend so i just had one question like i, I would probably follow up in the coming questions but i just had one question like as as uh, uh, nishita mentioned that you started off uh, a year and a half ago so uh, what do you think uh, like do you think this would be uh, like you can say a disadvantage for you guys who are working like i have seen many players working in the same space for 10 15 years before like when it was totally a uh, myth kind of thing the like ev space so what do you think on this part and how do you how do you see the future of the nexus power see uh, i mean uh, when you start it's not like you're losing on something or it's like a disadvantage i would say it's an advantage because uh, companies who worked for like 10 years and they have built from scratch or from spaces that you know they started off when it was technically like just on papers that this is possible so uh, what i can say is uh, uh, because we started off uh, say one and a half years ago and say two years ago and they started of 10 years before us which actually means that we have uh, the reference of 10 years of their research which makes us richer by 10 years and we save at least 10 years in hunting down for that research because definitely uh, the information flows the uh, the uh, patents are available so you definitely know what not to try and what to try so uh, it's not that it's a disadvantage that people started 10 years ago and they're 10 years ahead of you i would say that uh, they started 10 years before us and that's true but uh, their 10 years of research definitely helped us uh, move ourselves ahead uh, and start with what we want to do mm. definitely making sure that uh, you know understanding where they have failed and not to pick that up so it's 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 actually uh, everywhere not only in the batteries or the evs industry in any industry if there is an existing player and it's a long existing player and you like to venture into that space it's not like a disadvantage for you i think it's a pure advantage because then you have had a case study of the existing players so you exactly know their technology their strength their weakness where they want to go ahead and how you could differentiate and uh, how you into the market and having said this it's not that uh, we started a year and a half ago and uh, we would immediately be in the market i think we will also take our sweet time of at least another 2 3 years to have a space where we could maybe have revenues or maybe even another 4 years before we have revenues so it's not about the timeline it is about the productivity and the work that you kind of get out of those hours that you're working on so if you're able to have a sustainable solution say uh, within about a year or two years time so it doesn't really matter if you spent about 10 years or you spent only 2 or 3 years on it hmm and i'd like to add on to this as i completely agree to what she said but there's also a different perspective here it does matter in some way if uh, there are people working for the last 10 to 12 years because then there are chances that they get into the market before you launch your product and then there is also a chance that you might lose that market share because uh, they have presented something which uh, 
which is already very different from what the market has but then i really believe that that's how things change and that's how evolution happens in uh, the industry in fact not just industry everywhere in life so there has to be some existing thing from which you can derive a fresh idea maybe innovate a little and have a fresher thing going into the market which is slightly different from what is already there and solves a few more problems than what the existing one is doing mm-hmm. so somewhere it is good to have people working in this domain for a long time because as nishita mentioned in that case you get to learn a lot from their journey so you definitely know that if this thing has failed for them we are not supposed to try it because we know that it has already failed but at the same space uh, sometimes it does get a little challenging uh, in fact as founders uh, i wouldn't say nishita as well but i have been a little worried about it that uh, there are so many people working in the battery technology if somebody comes up with the final product tomorrow and you know people are all subscribing to their product they're all buying pre-booking their product then we might face a backlash when we have ours in the market but then uh, i do comfort myself with this entire thing that uh, by the time we are ready to put our product in the market i think we will have few more problems in mind that we will want to solve our r&d team would have probably evolved over what we were initially trying to do and we would have come up with something completely different by the time we come into the market presenting a whole new thing than what was actually ideated so uh, it's always good to i think stay positive and it's uh, it's a good space to learn from people who are doing it because as we are talking probably there are so many more people uh, creating a venture in their mind and trying to venture into this segment so you can't really uh, control how the ecosystem works but uh, i think we can surely be a part of it and we can adjust ourselves according to how uh, how the environment moves and how the ecosystem functions hmm 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 valid point here valid point yeah hey can i go for the next question if that's possible uh who's this i'm sorry this priyank hello yeah yeah go on go on go on all right uh, hey thanks a lot guys for coming uh, nishita nikita i i had a quick question about you know uh, since you all are there in the market for about a couple of years it's something related to what kamal was asking so let's say that uh, somebody uh, wants to start in the electric space all right what is that domain that y'all would say that hey go and solve that problem in the electric space because electric space is very huge there's manufacturing you all are in the battery space there's charging stations there's a lot what is that one problem that you all will advise a new electric startup to go and solve you know it's it's not that somebody can advise you that there is a gap here and you must solve it uh, it's it's something that like you acquire it around yourself where you see a problem and you want to solve it and that's what comes from within but if i was to ask uh, i mean if i am asked as to where uh, i see a gap and i think people can innovate there are a lot of other aspects apart from just the battery or the charging or the engine there are smaller components in the evs that haven't been touched upon and uh, uh, why i'm saying this is because uh, me and nikita have been crazy uh, automotive fans machine and aircraft fans so we've made it a point to attend uh, and be a part of these major expos all across india across the globe so we've made sure to attend the delhi auto expo and every time you attend the auto expo uh, there is a parallel expo which is the auto components expo which goes on at the same time with the auto expo and it's very it's 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 lesser known than the auto expo mm. so uh, this component expo if you you know if you go and visit that space you will actually realize that uh, 
even uh, even in 2020 that was when the last auto component expo happened it happens in every two years okay. at, at along with the auto expo so if you in the right even the 2020 uh, auto components expo uh, there was not even a single startup or company or a player who was talking about ev components and mm. ev components include a lot of components like the wiring the the uh, battery management systems the inverters that connect the battery the motors that connect to the the vehicle uh, with the battery the motors that run the vehicle the the suspension material the brakes the you have a different kind of a brake the gears are different for evs you have a 6 or 7 gear technology for petrol diesel vehicles you have a single gear technology for evs so these are spaces uh, which are components on the component level for a vehicle which has not been touched upon even in 2020 in the auto components so if somebody has to actually i think venture into evs i would say uh, why not try experimenting with the motor itself because the motor itself has so much to do with mm. you could have uh, you could have one motor powering all the four wheels you could have two motors on either sides you can have four motors on each of the wheels Mm. So, you know that's one space where you can always look at how it works the gears can be looked upon the vehicle body can be looked upon you can have a 3d printed chassis which mm. supports the entire space or you can have a welded chassis you can have uh, a full comprehensive chassis which includes the uh, white body frame which includes the skateboard uh, uh, bottom chassis so a lot of things that you can actually work upon because the industry is still booming it's still coming up uh you have a plethora of spaces where you can experiment and uh, apart from just the batteries or the charging station i think evs have a lot more to work on hmm. that's yeah that's that's precisely answers my question thank you so much i wanted to know everything apart from the you know the the, the one that's famous yeah thank you, thank you for yeah yeah But, uh, i'd like to go more into micro details <laughs> go on go on as compared to what nishala said so when you talk about uh, components uh yeah when we make a battery pack there is a lot more that goes into the batteries than the chemistry mm. so uh, we do not have sustainable or renewable material to build the battery pack you know the outer covering the material that makes the cell so uh, these are things that are still not touched upon people have not tried to find out that whether we can have a sustainable or renewable material to replace uh, that part as well maybe uh, if we have people who can think on that domain that could also be a very fascinating thing to work on and somewhere deep down that is going to help us a lot so if anybody is thinking about that please get in touch with us <laughs> thank you that's exactly why i was asking you all cuz you know maybe uh, future collaboration thank you thanks a lot priyank okay. for that question anybody okay. else yeah can i ask a question yeah yeah go on anshu anshida my question is uh, regarding the technologies based on the e cells like you said there are lithium uh, lithium ions solid lithium ions uh, there is a particular indian startup alo uh, alo e cell they are making e cells based on natural product like from aloe vera they are generating electricity they have made triple a and double uh, a batteries what are your thoughts about this this can be feasible in the future or not like taking from natural products and generating electricity see if you look at the segment that we are in and what we are doing we are also picking up natural yeah. products only which are purely biodegradable but uh, i mean the startup that you're talking about i am very well aware aloe cell is a startup that we are very well aware about we are also aware about their movements 
the fact that they are specifically in the double a and triple a battle domain right now does not really uh, uh, you know give us the understanding of whether they would like to venture into electric vehicle batteries or not because if you look at the batteries in the uh, chemistry end uh, from the face of it they all look like batteries but if you go into it each and every battery has a different purpose and they are built in that way a double a battery is a very different battery from what uh, the electric vehicles have so in terms of chemistry uh, i wouldn't say that uh, i am not sure if it could be worked upon in the ev chemistry as well because that needs a lot more of energy density and uh, a power but in terms of the chemistry and technology they have demonstrated the project and they they have been successfully able to build the double and triple a batteries so i think uh, if they are looking to cater to a consumer segment i think they are pretty much in the game uh, in I mean, again depending on the segment that they want to work in whether it's a p2b segment or it's a b2c segment and the kind of chemistry their target markets looking at all those possibilities if they are able to grow their market by selling consumer uh, to to the consumers directly uh, in in competition with say ever ready or maybe duracell or you know like a substitute to that so they are pretty much in the game because then uh, you do not have any uh, major competitors in your space so it all boils down to how uh, well are you equipped with your segment and how perfectly can you take it ahead so if i am in the electric vehicle segment today i will not want to venture into a consumer double a or triple a battery segment the reason very reason being that uh, the chemistry is a different the structures are different the sizes are different and i will not want to uh, put up a lot of pressure on my team to build for a uh, for a uh market segment or uh, you know build for a space which i do not want to venture into if we are looking mm. into evs i think we would like to stick to evs yeah at the max what we could like to get into is uh, stick to the b2b segment and not venture into b2c at all mm. so uh, talking about the aloe cell i think it's possible i mean if we can come up with a battery out of crop residue i think aloe cell is also very feasible mm. I think uh, the idea of making electricity from natural resources is I think uh, something that we've been hearing about since ages. So if you look at generating electricity from even tidal power or solar power or even wind power then basically it's all being done out of natural resources. So using plants and uh, crop residue for us uh, it's it's not very different I would say it's just that mm-hmm. the uh, we are going down to maybe nanotechnology to uh, prove the theories and to build a proof of concept but the idea of having electricity generated out of natural resources and biodegradable material is something which has been uh, which has been happening since ages so we just have to keep improving on the kind of material that we keep choosing in the future so as far as aloe vera is concerned uh, it does look like a promising product but uh, it only depends on the scale of manufacturing and uh, how much will the company be able to support if they get into commercial markets completely mm. because i'm sure procurement of aloe vera and uh, transforming that into the cells that they are making it has to be a tedious process it can't be very simple otherwise uh, i think we could have been making it at home only but uh, if they are able to do it at a large scale it is as profitable as uh, promising then i think it's yeah as nishita said they're pretty much in the game and uh, of course we are looking forward to see how the entire battery industry works so these are few projects that we are also looking forward to and uh, we would like to know how they progress and how they scale mm-hmm. see uh, i'll just give you a small add on here it all boils down to the chemistry actually if you look at the structure so uh, just by the face of it uh, making a battery for aloe vera the the component that uh, you know has been is being extracted out of aloe vera to make the battery is what is important
so that that's uh, what is playing with the chemistry just just mentioning aloe vera uh, does not solve the purpose and that's uh, where the chemistry and the component level things come into play so uh, if they are able to generate uh, the the segment that they are into they need hardly 1.5 volts mm. so if that is the amount of energy that is coming up and if it remains uh, i mean if it can power uh, at par with the duracell or an everready or companies like that then that seems pretty good so they don't need to look at uh, maybe uh, the possibilities or you know look getting into other segments because that battery segment itself of double a and triple a batteries is huge and the voltage requirement the energy density is not much so if mm-hmm. they if the aloe vera uh, is able to give them a 1.5 volt uh, capacity battery which could uh, run a remote for say a uh, uh, telephone uh, sorry a uh, television remote for about say 2 to 3 months or 4 months i think it's pretty good and that's at par with any other uh, uh, the existing uh, zinc mm-hmm. batteries zinc carbon mm-hmm. batteries so it's pretty good Hmm. So that's a separate yeah, use case. That, yeah. Exactly. Thanks a lot, Vinas, for asking. Yeah. Anybody else? Am I audible to you? Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, hi, Nikita. Hi, Nishita. Uh, it's great to hear your voice. I have been contacting you, I think, uh, from last uh, six months. Mm-hmm. But that's uh, the other issue. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to ask you that: What are your current plans about launching the product, both nationally as well as internationally? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, um, okay. Uh, it, uh, it, I mean, as far as India goes, uh, we are doing the smaller market trials right now. Eventually, we would like to move for uh, pilots all over India, which is another six, seven months away at least. And in terms of mass productions, I think we'll take another two years to get into the market. And this is a projected uh, graph. And uh, if if you want to, if we consider contingencies like the pandemics, I think you could maybe add up another year. that's how our trajectory is uh, in terms of uh, mass production for india and uh, for a global market i think we are not ready for a global expansion immediately we still want to look at another uh, additional uh, year and a half maybe two post uh, launch in india so you could look at at least four years uh, from now for a global launch mm-hmm. okay that that's great um i just wanted to ask one other question if it's allowed can i ask one yeah, yeah go on go on go on thank you so much uh, the thing is that uh, what is your uh, opinion about that uh, if there's another company from outside the india also that they want to be like they want to really collaborate with you from the beginning itself and that company as well as your company can go ahead with that uh, research and development in the other country as well See, it's, it's a very dicey space i mean uh, th- there's a lot of background research that goes into making these decisions of uh, you know whether it's feasible to collaborate and have an r&d going on externally uh, out of the country and whether you're you know you're you're ready to uh, give out a lot of information and uh, uh, i mean move the things accordingly depending on your ip uh, the structure and uh, the movement the country uh, the company's based out of their plans how they would like to expand how is the agreement that they want to look at so it's a very strategic decision it's not something that i could you know uh, give you an answer to in minutes but uh, again uh, because i said that we'll be at least looking at another four years to go global i think i would like to stick to that we'll want to explore the indian market first and also because we are presently focusing on the two wheeler and three wheeler uh, vehicles only for now Uh, the global market mm. is more with the four wheeler passenger yeah, market yeah. so i think we need time to even get ready for that so i think uh, uh, for now again a very strategic decision to make and it will take it will take time it will uh, give us it will take a lot of research mm. to give it a final uh, maybe a final decision but for now uh, probably it's uh, going to be the two wheeler three wheeler market for india uh, for a little longer mm interesting thank you so much for your answer
Anshu, you can go next. Okay, so I'll I'll just ask I'll just ask what he was trying to say. So he just uh, typed in the question that will the EV uh, rising up reduce the pollution side, or are there any other big hazards on the other side that also exist? So while EV reduces the pollution, as everybody claims, are there any other hazards of the EV space which we don't know about yet? Uh, okay, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, looking at the perspective of electric vehicles, though, yes, there is a lot of is going to reduce quite a lot because uh, EV emissions are not there on, during the drive. But to look at the broader prospect of the entire story uh, and something that uh, like the question is that if there are hazards on the other side that exist, uh, now you'll have to look at I think every part of this entire channel if we have to understand about pollution. Hmm. So whether the electricity that you're using to charge your vehicle is coming from sustainable sources or it is coming from exhaustible resources, that is also a point of question in this segment. Mm-hmm. So now we might be using electric vehicles on road and trying to reduce pollution which are which is caused by the IC vehicles. But at the same time, if this electricity is being produced through coal and you know the exhaustible resources, then uh, on one side you are trying to solve a problem, on the other side you are increasing the problem by many folds because of the electric vehicles that we are using. Hmm. So the entire solution is going to be sustainable only if the entire channel is going to function in that particular way. Hmm. And ideally because the shift has this trend that we are moving towards renewable sources for every part of this channel, in that situation it is going to reduce pollutions to a huge extent. Hmm. Furthermore, talking about, uh, in fact this is also a part of how Nexus came into operations. Mm-hmm. We were having discussions with our uh, friends and faculty members in college uh, where we got to know that this pollution that happens in the northern parts of India is heavily because of the crop which yeah, is burnt yeah, yeah, absolutely. and not because of the vehicles actually. Yeah, 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 agree. So that is where we instantly picked up this idea that we should procure that crop which is being burnt and do something out of that Yeah. so that we can solve that issue along with wow. the battery issue. Wow. And that is where we tried to merge these two ideas and we started extracting our raw material from this crop residue. Wow. So keeping that in mind, now on one side we are not allowing uh, people to burn that crop. So we are curbing pollution on that side. Yeah. On the other end, if we are procuring that and we are making our batteries and the batteries are sustainable, which adaptability of electric vehicles we are trying to cut down pollution on this side as well probably the only segment that we are not touching upon is the generation of electricity which i think is a broader concept and uh, i'm sure a lot of people are trying to do that so if the entire cycle comes into the picture if you look at everything together you're not letting crops burn you're not producing electricity from exhaustible resources. You're not even running vehicles on, on exhaustible resources. You're doing that on electricity. So in that situation, it is reducing a lot of pollution levels and there are not as many hazards on the other side. Hmm. But yes, for now, that situation is a very uh, 
optimistic assumption i would say it is going to take time to reach to that level but i'm sure we are going to reach there sometime soon okay got it got it uh, cool i i want to understand that this is a very very technical uh, endeavor so to speak especially at a time where not much uh, has been done in the industry in itself mm-hmm. how much tech enabled as in uh, you know uh, from a subject matter expert perspective uh, how important is it to be uh, to understand the whole technicalities of it if you are planning to launch something in the ev space nishita would like to go okay. ahead first yeah I, i guess i missed the question because of network somewhere but i somehow have kind of uh, i understood the question that's coming uh, okay so you know uh, i would say it is important it's it's very important to understand what you're getting into okay. that could be technical that could be managerial that that, that could be uh, a combination of both but i would say it's very important to understand where you're getting into and specifically uh, a domain like electric vehicle batteries so uh, i i you know i really believe uh, i mean it's not that it's compulsory for you to uh, go ahead and research on where you're getting into but i think that makes you stronger as a person that makes you sure of what you're doing and uh, you know it's it's a very common saying that i really believe in it says that you know when you uh, on, when when people say that entrepreneurship is uh, like simply jumping into the well and taking those risks i simply uh, I don't agree and i humbly deny uh, the reason is that i really feel that entrepreneurship is not only about taking risk it's about taking a calculated risk yeah i agree so if you know the depth of the well and then you jump in that's what actually makes sense mm. so you know that you're not going too deep and uh, however deep it may be if you know the depth you can somehow manage to sail through and that's the principle that i believe in and that's where uh, i emphasize that uh, if if you are getting into a domain whichever it may be it could be food and beverage restaurants it could be hotel management it could be as simple as a book library it could be as technical as making a complete electric vehicle mm. whatever mm. it may be mm. i guess a thorough understanding of the entire subject understanding of the market is very important mm. and uh, something as technical as our battery packs are yes it's very important uh, to be very very sound with the Mm. a product that you getting into the technology behind it the structure behind it so so personally even after being uh, 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 having a background with commerce uh, and a little less of science uh, i i had to make sure to understand the entire technology that i was getting into i mean the passion always remains so you keep studying all through your life but uh, degree and education wise if uh, if there was more of commerce in my uh, uh, education so far Mm-hmm. I had to get back to doing certificate programs and uh, a master's degree in technology uh, mm-hmm. to enhance my skills at the same time uh, enhance my credibility if I have to stand up and uh, talk about my company and tell them this is what I'm doing uh, if I'm yeah. directly from a background which does not belong to uh, the sector however however learn learned I might be however I might have uh, gained knowledge by just reading through books Mm. uh there has to be a certain kind of paper uh, a registered paper which yeah. at least gives a clarity mm. to the person i'm talking to that yes i have been through mm. Uh, mm. this entire space mm. and this i am not saying uh, just uh, for you know a random understanding it's more from the investor perspective and mm. uh, more from the ecosystem perspective mm. so if there's a funding that you're looking at if you're looking to raise investments and you're discussing with investors uh first and foremost it's important for them that you understand your 
segment and uh, the market mm-hmm. that you're working mm-hmm. into and the technicalities that are involved mm-hmm. so if you're missing out on that uh, the the confidence that the investor is supposed to have yeah. uh, might just be missing somewhere yeah 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 somewhere deep down it is also important to know what exactly you want to do because mm-hmm. uh, when you have a team of people yeah. along with you in the same journey yeah it is the founder's duty to actually inspire and yeah. motivate the team to work towards a common goal yeah so if we are not sure of the path that we are taking or uh, if the elements that are a part of that path then we cannot have an entire team coming along with us on the same track mm. so to ensure that everybody is working towards a common goal and has a common vision in the organization mm. it is important for the founders to know every element mm. that a company might have or the company comprises on the whole so mm. be it the technical aspects of the product or the technical aspects of how to build the product the managerial aspects of building a team the uh, managerial aspects of uh, keeping the team together or the financial aspects of funding of day to day financial records of everything that goes into the company or that or which works as the building blocks of building a company i think it's very important for the founders to know all of it and by saying that it is important to know all of it i don't emphasize that you have to study in that domain or you need to have degrees in those various or those multiple lines it's just uh, out of interest that people should gain this knowledge so that uh, it's it's beyond the classroom and so that you can mm. gain knowledge on what you are interested about so mm. in the entire company for founders it is important to know every tit and bit of what goes on into building that dream and that vision mm. and making it what it is mm. or what it has to grow into ultimately Mm. So just knowing it, or maybe being passionate about it, is I think enough to uh, make a company or be an entrepreneur, mm. and not necessarily to have degrees in that. Because sometimes Agreed. you might have degrees in a domain, but you still might not be very equipped about building your own company. Yeah. So degrees don't define uh, the entire ecosystem, but it is good to know about it. So knowledge is important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you sum it up uh, all together, it's very important that you know what you're doing, and you very well know what you're doing. So, like I mentioned, uh, if you know the depth of the well and you jump in, that's a very very good space to be. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, one thing which I want to touch upon is the fact that, uh, especially in these kind of industries, you know, uh, which are still upcoming, there is no validation of the product, and many a times there is no MVP as well. then how how do you how do you decide how do you decide that this is right this is wrong or this is going fine and this is the way to go about it you know it's a it's a series of trial and errors mm-hmm. that start from uh, background theoretical research a lot of theoretical research mm-hmm. we go through plenty of papers uh, related to what we are looking at mm-hmm. and uh, we try and join bits and bits together so there's a paper about one thing there's a paper about something else which is a little different but you could connect them to make something better mm. so you go through a process of lot of theoretical uh, research mm. then uh, proceed towards setting up a proof of concept which is where you know you bring your pieces together to just see whether there's a connection that's being established mm. and uh, if is that successful you move ahead so it's, uh. it's a series of uh, theoretical research and then trial and errors mm. so you basically uh, so it's it's very important that you hold your patience and you hold your emotions right and you continue with your trial and errors mm. it's very it's very possible that uh, you might not get the perfect chemistry or the combination that you're looking for uh, maybe for the next 3 to 4 years also mm. but uh, how well you stick on to it is what matters so yes 
definitely there are times when you have no mvps there are times when you have uh, no written records of what exactly you want to do mm. you just randomly uh, trying and testing whether it's working or not and that's how you progress so it's like every step you take you kind of noting it down so you're recording what you've done and uh, accordingly you structureize your entire chemistry mm. and uh, i can i can give you smaller examples here of companies across the globe uh which have been uh, like i mentioned innovating for the last 10 years and maybe they'll continue to innovate for the next 4 5 years mm. without uh, you know having any fruitful revenues or without even getting into the revenue stream mm. uh, the, uh, and these companies uh, are not only in the battery segment they are also in various other segments so it's it's a lot of patience not of perseverance and mm. uh, it's uh, the team that really works day and night behind the entire structure crazily mm. uh, to bring up that chemistry that we are kind of looking at that we've envisioned and that we want to see getting into the vehicles mm. and more than that uh, it's the, that value that you add uh, not only to the company but to each other as well in the process yeah yeah there yeah. is no right or wrong when you begin with something because no. when you are actually aiming at a particular plan and when you start working on it we are all very optimistic that it is going to work for us yeah so there is no right or wrong in a journey like this mm. and uh, in fact even if we have failed experiments mm. and uh, in fact we've had a lot of them no mm. doubt mm. so they are not actually termed as failures because uh, it's just taking you a step ahead and yeah. making sure that you don't do this next time again or you don't try and repeat this yeah. you try a different combination yeah. so uh, as you mentioned yes there are no mvps there is barely any data that you can depend upon but i think that is what is the more the most exciting part yeah that you get to brainstorm and you get to experiment with things uh, beyond what exists already mm. so uh, to give a very simple example the first prototype that we had made was at home during the lockdown last year wow and okay. that was actually made out of chickpeas and kidney beans Wow. <laughs> so from the very idea mom and dad were quite surprised that yeah. you know rajma and chole leke hum log battery banane ki koshish kar rahe the <laughs> so it sounded bizarre but yeah. once it happened and once we had the entire thing actually working yeah that is where we realized that it's it's so much more interesting to think out of the box yeah. and try and actually do it practically yeah. so had we had this in mind that this is probably not making sense then we might not have even had that real breakthrough moment for us yeah. that you know this works yeah. so the basic idea of this is that there is actually no right or wrong and it's good to sometimes not have any data to depend upon so that you can really explore those crazy ideas that come in the mind yeah. which you otherwise wouldn't if you follow a lot of text yeah 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 absolutely agree but but one thing here Uh, that i wanted to probably one last step into the same into the same thing is around the funding aspect how does funding work when you don't have a validation and mvp well, uh you know it's it's not like one size fits all yeah so there are different uh, ways of uh, moving forward with uh, mm. funding Mm. uh the, the government of odisha government of india has been very supportive in terms of grants that they purely yeah. give for r&d ah. institutional grants that are for mm. r&d in upcoming mm. technologies like batteries mm-hmm. and besides that we do have uh, angel investors and early stage vcs mm. uh, who particularly invest in innovations uh, uh, which are breakthrough innovations mm. uh, which which are purely r&d focused technology mm. focused mm. innovations mm-hmm. so you do have uh, pretty much a space there to Got it. Uh, Got it. So the investor is convinced, and if we're able to give him the show him the bigger picture, yeah. the product, and uh, uh, I mean, 
Okay, not that you know MVP is always important, but yes, a working prototype is very important yeah. for anything you plan. Uh, the the fact that uh, in the Indian startup ecosystem, uh, funding on the idea does not happen anymore. It yeah. was a very early concept, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is now slightly shifted towards at least an 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 MVP or maybe at least a working prototype yeah. for uh, uh, the startups which are purely into breakthrough innovations and uh, mm-hmm. technology based R and D, which is mm-hmm. into You know, which is for an upcoming uh, future space. Mm-hmm. So in that kind of a space, it's uh, I mean, we do have a couple of investors. Yes, the range is less, mm-hmm. uh, and again, chances depend on how well uh, one can actually sail through with the product and how promising technology is, how promising the prototypes performance is. Yeah. And uh, the see, uh, in terms of the entire startup funding ecosystem, the higher up the ladder you are, the more chances of being funded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, depending again on whether you really need the fund. So, if you need the fund and you're you're beyond an MVP, uh, I think you have higher chances of being funded. Yeah. Uh, if you also have a working prototype, then you still have chances of being funded for the R and D. Hmm. But on uh, very basic levels of the idea, that's not uh, a space where uh, R and D companies are funded. Hmm. Uh, but if you like I mentioned, the higher up you move, uh, the more the chances you have. Hmm. Uh, for uh, more funding and better R and D, so that's how the graph moves. But yes, if you look at the structure, uh, institutional grants and uh, little bit of funds from friends and family, some savings of yours, they are really very good to start the R and D. And eventually, when you have a working prototype, if you pitch for investments to uh, early stage VCs and angel investors, hmm. uh, maybe even incubator funds, uh, seed yeah. funds uh, from the incubators and the government side uh, seed funds, uh, so government. Uh, DST Government of India Department of Science and Technology has a couple of seed funds as well, which are, which are given uh, depending on your technology readiness levels. So yeah. the ecosystem is good; it's building up. But uh, if you compare India to the global uh, market, the global market and the global standards are more open uh, to experimenting on R and D based startups than mm. uh, the Indian market. But I guess eventually everybody evolves. So yeah, yeah. The Indian market is evolving. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks a lot, uh, Nikita Nishida, for that answer. One last last question I'll take. Anybody has any question? Chandrakant, you have yeah, been talking. Yeah, can I take it, Sohil? Yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, hi Nishita, hi Nikita. I was basically wanted to understand that uh, when you are making an MVP, maybe okay. So if you are going for funding itself, so you have a product ready, which is the prototype, and you are going for funding. So how do you value yourself at that point of time? Because as being your startup, or is it a new other startup? So how do you value yourself for the funds which you are asking for, or which you are expecting, and what percentage you are expecting it for? See, um, so valuation is what you are asking. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's 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 the bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So see, uh, you know, uh, uh, depends on the stage you are. So valuation at the stage that uh, uh, like uh, company that where we would be, uh, the valuation happens very differently. Here the valuation happens more in terms of uh, the bigger picture that the investor would like to see, and uh, the the team that is that he is looking at. The team has to be more promising. So it's not like a pure number-based valuation. It's a valuation which is more on the uh, material aspect of the company, which includes technology, the available market for the technology, and how good the team is uh, to take it up. And that is somehow brought into numbers. So I wouldn't really you know give you a uh, there is no typecasting model for this. But generally, in the ecosystem, uh, with with uh, startups uh, that are say uh, in the prototype or the POC stage, POC is a proof of concept stage. Uh, generally, you would look at uh, valuation, which is uh, you know where you would somehow uh, the valuation maximum valuation is about ten to fifteen percent. 
and that's considered to be an ideal equity dilution for the yeah. investments yeah at a poc or a prototype stage uh, yeah. product but yeah. uh, again having said this there is no thesis so there is no thumb rule for any of it there are chances that you have a uh, uh, higher dilution or lower dilution uh, a higher fund raise uh, th- i mean it's it's totally volatile there is nothing uh, written or scripted here it purely depends on the founders as to how they look at their company and how they think uh, the company st- where where they think the company stands and at the same time it also purely depends on the investor who wants to put in money for him to understand uh, where uh, where the company stands so we might be discussing with a company uh, with an investor sorry and uh, if the investor is looking at a lower valuation than what we are looking at so then obviously you have a space for uh, discussion yeah. and negotiation but there is not like a typical number based valuation but mm-hmm. yes uh, when you talk of valuations when you talk of the company structure uh, the investors really want to see where you would like to see yourself 5 years from now and that's important for them to understand uh, how their money grows so they will definitely want to see your financial projections and that also plays a role in determining a valuation mm-hmm. so whether or not you are you are into sales and your product is developed like you have an mvp your financial projections also create a lot of impact on deciding the valuation of the company mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you so much. Valuation at this stage is always on shaky grounds. Mm. So as Nishita Shah said, there is no fixed rule. But uh, this also brings me to this uh, little thing that uh, when we go ahead with funding, sometimes as founders uh, we get too immersed in the idea that we're going to be a funded startup. So you know, let's just accept any offer that's coming our way. So this is actually a difficult scenario because. Uh, your valuation and your dilution that you do of the equity stakes that you have really count in the further rounds of funding so i think this is one decision that every founder has to make very tactfully and also very carefully that you don't give away too much in the first round itself so in that case uh, the next rounds get difficult in the future whether you need it or not but the the next rounds have to be in mind when you're raising your first one so uh, this is something that our uh, and the few investors that we spoke to gave us as a little advice and i think i thought i should mention it here that make sure when you get into a, a funding agreement or kind of a, a negotiation uh, don't give up or give in too easily on what the investor is saying just because he is going to put in money into your project you have to have a very judiciously decided valuation that's important yeah. for startups and yeah. it's also important for the growth that we project for ourselves mm. it's also important for the investor actually i mean for the investor who is putting in money see uh, from the investor's perspective the investor is not looking at having a lot of share value of your product like when, i mean he's not looking at holding a lot of shares in your company which will help him grow he only grows when your the, the share value of your company grows i mean uh, the per, per per share price grows so his idea is not to hold like major shares in your company and sit there His idea is to be able to help you grow your share price, and that's where the investor comes in. So, if you have a very judiciously planned valuation, that's not only going to help you in your future rounds, it will also ha- help the investor have a very clear, uh, crystal clear exit. Because then, yeah, have a proper, you know, proper uh, valuation that you settled on. The investor can then look at a five years exit or a seven years exit or whatever the clause is in your agreement, in your term sheet. so that way you have the plans you know okay today if i'm investing and your share price is say 100 rupees and 5 years later if your share price is say uh, 1000 rupees or 1500 rupees so then you have a growth in the company and that is the amount of return that i'm going to get so it's very important that you plan that aspect and uh, fundraising is technical 
it's very very technical in process uh, so for all uh, startups or companies who would like to you know look into raising funds from investors or uh, vcs or angels specifically it's very important that you uh, come in contact with somebody who's who's been into the funding ecosystem who understands the ecosystem uh, preferably a ca or an accountant or or a external firm or an existing uh, startup who's uh, you know who's already funded a uh, founder of that kind of a startup you got to come in touch with them to understand these nuances the fundraising process is a very time taking and a tedious yeah, process it takes yeah. about at least minimum of 6 to 7 months yeah. to raise your first round yeah. and uh, if i add on the pandemic i don't know it should take i think it should take longer yeah it's a very tedious process and it's it's not a process that happens overnight and it's not like uh, the first investor you speak to will immediately accept your proposal you might have to be speaking to 100 of them and still not get a positive response so it's it's that kind of a system and uh, when you when you look at raising funds for your company uh, plan ahead of uh, time and consider that if you if you need 6 months to raise your fund right now you will need another 6 months to raise your next round so you got to plan accordingly so if i am raising uh, if you are raising money today maybe uh, depending on how many years or how many months you want that money for and how you want to spend it out you got to make sure that you keep in mind that maybe you know you you need another 6 months to raise the next round so you want mm. to calculate that time and that's that's how it is and uh, yeah i mean exactly that's that's how technical the entire process is so mm. anybody who is getting thing is so much detail yeah. thank you so as just a contribution to what nishtha said i've had so i've had some startup founders come up come up to me uh, saying ki we can't provide uh, much details to you just give me the projections and just give me the valuation report because i have my plenty of investors ready and this is one mistake which founders make uh, because they don't uh, understand the whole process which nishtha has explained uh, quite briefly here ki there's a whole process involved pre pre uh, funding and during the funding and post funding it is not just you know one document and you get the money so yeah uh, thanks a lot for their yeah, information I mean, that's that's very true and uh, i guess here see so you you know it pretty well uh, it's it's a process which actually uh, yeah, uh, i guess my voice is going to thank you so yeah i mean you're a ceo so i guess you know it well uh, yes very much it's uh, like i mentioned it's a very very tedious process and it takes about 6 to 7 months there's a lot of paperwork involved there's a, there are a lot of documents so there's a due diligence that comes into place i mean if you talk about financial investing for startups i think that will be another say uh, two or three hour session that uh, could come up so it's 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 that huge and maybe even uh, two three hours of brief explanation will not be enough to understand the ecosystem somebody who's been through it would exactly be able to tell you how it functions yeah yeah absolutely we'll have to host another session entirely to only to discuss about how funding is done <laughs> i think we'll have to do that <laughs> yeah absolutely especially when uh, you know this is our personal experience uh, wherever nishita is a part of uh, the event uh, as a speaker Uh, you know and if you touch upon financial discussions yeah then i mean it, there is no uh, looking at time so it just goes on beyond boundaries because she's so much into uh, financials and funding that uh, if you just touch the topic and then it just goes on so you can't change it after that that's why i said let's just put it a break here and go ahead <laughs> and do our session if required <laughs> 
no no thanks a lot i mean i think i i completely uh, agree that this this whole uh, you know investments and funding and valuation and all of that thing is a completely different beast altogether i myself have gone through that cycle so i completely understand where you you're coming from uh and and i think you know if if nishita if you are free sometime then we should definitely do uh, a, a probably an another separate session just on the fundraising bit because of course you know that's one generic thing which is common with almost all the entrepreneurs out there that they need to somehow raise money although i don't agree with that whole concept i believe that if it is possible try and bootstrap as much as possible as much as possible and raise money no, only I, when I required agree, I, i really agree to that that if it's possible uh, you rather bootstrap as much as you can and then only if you need the fund you go ahead and there's there's like i said no thumb rule uh, there is no it's not a compulsion that every startup should be funded people have been bootstrapped and they have excelled uh, consider zerodha they have been bootstrapped consider zoho they have been bootstrapped so they they're all big players right now so it's not that funding is important but yes i'd be happy uh, to come up for another session and uh, take up the entire funding aspect thank you so much thanks a lot thanks a lot nikita nishita both for your time as i told nikita before as well that usually we say it's one hour but it always overflows and it's been the same case this time as well it's almost close to midnight but thanks a lot uh, you know both of you for doing this it's been an amazing amazing uh, session so far very very informative and that too about an industry which is going to be the future as many might say so uh, and and very few you know people are really uh, understand what is going on and i think today today we just touched the tip of uh, you know the tip of the iceberg and probably there is so much more that we can talk about uh, and and uh, i get nishita we can you know definitely schedule another another session with you on the on the whole fundraising bit but but thanks a lot uh, both of you uh, for doing this how was your experience nikita nishita of this session thank you so much for uh, calling us over for this and having us do this session today it was really interesting uh, in fact uh, i have done something for the first time on discord so the initial entire journey of uh, logging in and being a part of it was also very exciting in fact it's a wonderful platform to be at as well uh, because you get to do so much and you can do away with setting up your background and dressing up for the event So that's that's really nice. Was late night. You don't really want to dress up in formals and have a background and sit and do a video chat. So quite interesting and uh, quite a very uh, interesting and thrilling discussion as well. Uh, the questions, uh, though we've uh, been a part of couple of uh, more of such uh, discussions, but yes, in uh, the interaction with uh, people and uh, the questions that have come up have been uh, thought provoking. And uh, there are a few ideas that also came up in the chat. which i think i'm going to consider when i get back uh, something there was something about soil based bacteria yes soil based uh, bacteria that i was reading through so uh, maybe i'm yeah. going to consider i'm going to read through and uh, that's that's like giving uh, us a few ideas as well so thank you so much for having us here and it was a pleasure to interact and uh, share the knowledge and the journey about nexus power and uh, i hope uh, when nishada comes up again about uh, the finances uh, you keep a long time for that because going to go stretch very long Thank you, thank you so much. Th- thank you, thank you so much for uh, having me here. I think I had a really great experience uh, on Discord. Uh, like Nikita mentioned, again my first time as well. And uh, to all the guys who've uh, joined in here, everybody, thank you so much for joining in such uh, late and uh, late at night. 
it's it's almost midnight and i'm so glad to see that people are still interested to understand why the future is electric and you know have a discussion on the electrical uh, future and i'm really glad to be a part of this, this discussion uh, uh, looking forward to interacting with you guys more maybe uh, seeing some exciting things come up and anand uh, thank you for letting me know that it's been 6 months since you tried to reach us i'm available uh, you you i would like to know uh, the the reason why you were trying to reach us thank you so much and uh, to all of you again uh, thanks a lot for those questions and thank you for coming up and thank you for having us here i've had a great experience it's it's been one of those uh, most ex- exciting uh, discussions that i've had and uh, very technical as well so thank you so much that was the episode hope you got some rich insights for your idea from this if you like the episode do share it with your friends and rate us on spotify google store and itunes if you want to join the water cooler podcast live join the club at www.thebuildersclub.me until next time upwards and onwards